Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So today's topic is judging others. <clears throat> so I was thinking of which story or pastime that I can narrate that will tie into that topic. Um, there are quite a few in our epics like Ramayana, Mahabharat, and in our Puranas. And um, the essence of all Vedic knowledge that exp explicitly explains the highest goal of life for humans is Srimad Bhagavatam. And so I thought I'll start there and pick a pastime from there. But before that, I just wanted to give a brief overview or background for some of us that are relatively new to this process. So, the Vedas, we might have heard the term Vedas, Vedic scriptures and so on. It's a, it's a vast body of knowledge. It talks about many things. And one section of that vast body of knowledge is called Puranas. Basically, they talk about some significant events that happened in human history from the beginning of time. And in those Puranas, we will find a common theme. Two groups of people fighting with each other. And one group, they are called the demigods. And in Sanskrit, their term is suras. And the other group of people, they are called asuras, because they are the opposite of the suras. And in English, it can be loosely translated as demoniac-minded people. The, the ideal distinction between these two groups is the demigods, they try their best to follow the laws given by the Supreme Lord. Whatever they do in their life, it's in accordance with those rules and regulations and laws handed down by the Supreme Lord. They might have some material desires to enjoy, but still they keep within the framework of obedience to the law. So they are basically law-abiding citizens. Whereas this other group, they are, they also want to enjoy, have fun, have pleasure and so on and so forth, like the other group, but they just do it independently. So that's the basic difference between those two groups. And these two groups are at loggerheads at, against each other. Why? Because the demigods are given the sovereignty over heavenly kingdoms where the enjoyment and pleasure is 
very high and it goes on. And when we are talking about demigods, we frequently hear the term Indra. And we normally associate that term with a person and we think that it's a person's name, but it is not. We have the President of the United States. Many times he gets referred to as Mr. President. President visited here, President did this, President did that, and so on, so on. And many times you see the word President of the United States is mentioned, but that not the name of the President. But there is a person holding that post, and it changes every four years. So similarly, Indra is a post, a position. He is like the captain of the demigods. And a very highly qualified person is appointed to that post. And there, after a certain duration of time, I will not throw that figure because it will spin our minds like anything. It's a huge amount of time in human years. But after that, this person vacates the post and somebody else who is qualified is appointed to that post. So now, in, in the Puranas, we hear about these demigods and the demonia groups battling with each other. Most of the times, the demigod group wins because they are righteous people and fortune favors the brave and the righteous. Uh, but sometimes we see they lose and lose very badly to these demoniac groups. So I'm going to narrate the pastime of Vritrasura and let's go back in time a little bit and see what happens and why the demigods lose sometimes and then the sequence of events leads to Vritrasura making his appearance and we can discuss that. So once upon a time, Indra was in his assembly with the demigods and he was throwing a celebration, honoring himself. Nice program, right? <laughs> so these celestial singers and celestial dan dancers were entertaining Indra and the demigods and he was so caught up in that mood. And into that assembly walks in the spiritual master of Indra and the demigods. Indra notices him, but doesn't offer him a seat or offer him any respect. It's completely against the etiquette. And the spiritual master understands that Indra is overwhelmed with his own opulences and enjoyment and is proud, so he is not in a mood to give the proper etiquette and res respect. So he doesn't say anything, he just walks out. But the moment he walks out, Indra feels something. Maybe I did something wrong here. Because be, being, you see, he is a very qualified personality. He is very elevated personality compared to many of us. So he was thinking, oh, what did I do here? 
he is my spiritual master and also the spiritual master for all the demigods and I did not respect him as he should be respected. So I'll just read a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam that talks about his internal contemplation. So, alas, what a regrettable deed I have committed because of my lack of intelligence and my pride in my material opulences. I failed to show respect to my spiritual master when he entered this assembly, and thus I have insulted him. Although I am king of the demigods who are situated in the mode of goodness, I was proud of a little opulence and polluted by false ego. So immediately Indra wanted to search for his spiritual master and he and the demigods started searching. But they couldn't find him. So they were ruining their mistake and they were thinking, oh my, all our good fortune and opulence is going to get lost because of this. As they say, bad news travels fast. So they did not have Twitter, WhatsApp, Facebook or any of the social media at that time, but still the message traveled fast. To who? To the other group. And then their spiritual master said, hey guys, this is the right time. Our, our enemies, the demigods, are at their weakest position. So let's attack them and then drive, the, drive them out and let's enjoy what they have been enjoying and we have been hankering for. So the, this group thought, yeah, this is a nice program. So they gathered up their army, they went and they, these two folks had the battle. And as expected, the demigods lost and they were badly hurt too. And their egos were bruised now. Oh, we got defeated by this group. And they immediately they went to Lord Brahma. So Lord Brahma gave them real good chastisement and said, you guys were so caught up with your own pride and all those comforts and opulences you had, you disrespected your spiritual master. Whereas, the demons who normally disrespect their spiritual master and are always weak, they were obedient to their spiritual master this time and because of that they were more strong and powerful than you folks and they defeated you guys easily. So now I would suggest you to go and approach a qualified Brahmana. A Brahmana is one who is well versed in spiritual knowledge and who is also capable of performing certain sacrifices on behalf of uh, the people whom he is guiding. So he said, go to Vishwarup. He is the son of Thvashta and he is very well versed in spiritual knowledge. He is very qualified to be your spiritual master. So go and request him out of affection for you folks. He will accept that position. So the demigods go and request him and he accepts. And then he gives a, a special mantra to them. It's called the Narayana Kavacha Mantra. A full chapter is dedicated in Srimad Bhagavatam to explaining that. But to keep it short, 
this time is ticking. So, um, it's a specific set of mantra that is going to, kavacha means in, in English, it, it's like an armor or a shield. So, a person who's having a qualified teacher who teaches that knowledge, the students get that protective armor and shield just by that chanting of that mantra and the process. So the Indra and the demigods get this and now they are feeling very protected and powerful and they go charging to the battle again and this time they defeat the demons and drive them away. So now they are happy. And then they come to know that this person Vishwaroop is also capable of performing few other fire sacrifices that will give them more pleasure and enjoyment as an offering to Indra and the demigods. So they request Vishwaroop to do that. So Vishwaroop does that. But Vishwaroop, on his father's side, he is related to the demigods, but through his mother's side, he is related to the other group. So both these groups are like dear to him. So while doing the fire sacrifice, he makes the offerings to Indra and demigods by naming them, but also starts giving some portions to the other group. So this has been going on for some time. Then it comes to the attention of Indra. And then he gets very agitated and angry. How dare he's, he's empowering and strengthening uh, my enemies. And if they become more strong and powerful, they will again come and defeat us and drive us away. It should not happen. So in the fit of anger, what he does is, he takes out his sword and cuts off the head of Vishwaru. He is a Brahmana. He is a spiritual master. And he did not even think through that. And psh, it's done. That's it. Now, he has committed a big offense. And he suffers the next one year those offenses. Okay, this is while this is going on, Vishwarup's father, Thvashta, becomes very angry. My son was helping Indra and the demigods, and how ungrateful they are, they killed my son. So I will perform another fire sacrifice to bring out a powerful personality that will kill Indra. So he conducts that fire sacrifice and out of that sacrifice comes a very fearsome looking personality. The description says, tall and blackish, he appeared like a burnt hill and was as lustrous as a bright array of clouds in the evening. The hair on the demon's body and his beard and moustache were the color of melted copper and his eyes were piercing like the midday sun. He appeared unconquerable and he was becoming huge and huge and growing and growing. So he was named Vritra, which means covering. He was like basically covering all the planetary systems in the creation. So his name was Vritra. So that's why he is called Vritra Asura, Vritra Asura. 
So now on seeing this, the demigods knew, okay, we are in bigger trouble now. And we cannot just avoid this troublesome situation by our own efforts and our own skills. We need the help of the Supreme Lord. So they start praying and offering beautiful prayers. Like there are many verses which go in detail establishing the position of the Supreme Lord and they just glorify him and his position. And after hearing the prayers, the Supreme Lord becomes very pleased with them. So he first appears within their heart and then he makes an appearance outside in front of them. And then he makes a very wonderful statement. Anything the Supreme Lord says is wonderful, but this is very relatable and applicable to all of us. The Supreme Personality of God had said, O beloved demigods, you have offered your prayers to me with great knowledge, and I am certainly most pleased with you. A person is liberated by such knowledge, and thus he remembers my exalted position, which is above the conditions of material life. Such a devotee is fully purified by offering prayers in full knowledge. This is the source of devotional service to me. So and then he continues to speak. He says, there is a person by name Dadichi. Dadichi was the one who gave the Narayana Kavacha Mantra to Thvashta, who gave it to his son Vishwarup, through whom you got it originally. This person has done severe austerities and also has acquired lots of spiritual knowledge, so his body is very powerful. So what I am advising you to do now is approach this person Dadichi and ask him to give up his life and his body to you. Whoa! And being affectionate to one of the demigods, they are like Ashwini Kumaras, being affectionate to, the, to them, he will oblige. And he is also a very saintly personality, so he will. And then again ensues a, a whole chapter of discussion between Dadichi and uh, the demigods. Basically, Dadichi is playing with them to test them what they are at. And finally says, well, I agree because this body is going to be gone either today or tomorrow, it's only temporary and it is going to be used in the service of the Supreme Lord, so I'm so fortunate too. And he willingly gives up his life. And they collect the bones and take it to Vishwakarma. He is a celestial architect. And he fashions a thunderbolt weapon according to the instruction of the Supreme Lord. And now, Indra has this weapon. And Indra and the demigods are now ready to go and fight Vritrasura and the demoniac group. So when the demigods come, looking at their effulgence and their strength, display of strength, most of the, almost all the people who came with Vritrasura, they become afraid and they start running away, thinking that we are definitely going to lose this battle because these people look so so determined and so purposeful <laughs> today. 
So Vrittalasura says, like, don't run. Whether we win or lose, stand and fight. Don't be a coward, but nobody listens. Everybody runs. And Vrittalasura is standing there, and he lets out a tremendous roar. Hearing that all the living entities faint, including the demigods. And Vrittalasura starts moving in and trampling on the demigods and killing them. Look, and Indra is watching this with horror and says, now I will charge. So he uses his, one of his favorite powerful club and he throws it at Vrittrasura. Vrittrasura just like that just moves and avoids that and catches it in his left hand and uses that same weapon to strike Indra and the elephant carrier on which Indra was riding. So the elephant is badly injured and Indra is pushed back. And now Indra is in doubt. He is holding the thunderbolt weapon in his hands that was made exactly to the instruction of the Supreme Lord and he has given the guarantee that the, this thunderbolt weapon will kill the demon Vritrasura. But even when he was holding the thunderbolt in his hands, he did not have the trust. How many times in our life we, are, we find ourselves in a situation where we do not have that kind of trust in God. Right? We, at least most of us, at least we are trying to practice devotional service. We know who the Supreme Lord is and what this process is about and how great and powerful He is. Yet, Deep inside us, that trust, that faith in God's words is not there. And Indra is, and is basically demonstrating the collective lack of trust and faith of all of us human beings. He did not have the trust. He was doubtful whether this thunderbolt weapon can kill this very powerful personality. And then, when he is having this doubt, Vritrasura is following the religious principles and he is waiting for Indra to regroup, to resume the fighting. And he uses many chivalrous words, insulting Indra for what he did and all those things go on. And still, Indra could not bring up to use that thunderbolt weapon and finish off Vritrasura. So now Vritrasura starts speaking some more. Hear that. Until this point of time, we see Vritrasura as a very demoniac person by looking at his external features and what he is doing. But now comes the twist in the tale. He says, if you want to kill me, since I am your enemy, take this opportunity. Kill me. You will gain victory and I shall go back to Godhead. Your deed will be equally beneficial for both of us. Do it immediately. So basically he's saying, by killing me, you get what you want. By being killed, I get what I want. I want to go back to the spiritual world to be with the Supreme Lord, I get what I want. So, 
get on with it please move on <laughs> so by the force of your thunderbolt i shall be freed of material bondage and shall give up this body and this world of material desires fixing my mind upon the lotus feet of lord sankarshan who is another form of the supreme lord i shall attain the destination of such great sages as narada muni just as lord sankarshan has said and then he adds my fortune will be to receive the dust from the lotus feet of great devotees like narada muni persons who fully surrender at the lotus feet of the supreme personality of godhead and always think of his lotus feet are accepted and recognized by the lord as his own personal assistants or servants does it look like some demoniac person with a inferior consciousness speaking he is speaking like <coughs> far out transcendental knowledge and then he turns his attention to the supreme lord oh my lord oh supreme personality of godhead will i again be able to be a servant of your eternal servants who find shelter only at your lotus feet o oh lord of my life may i again become their servant so that my mind may always think of your transcendental attributes my words always glorifies those attributes and my body always engage in the loving service of your lordship so now at all the way up to this point he has been just like a regular demon but now the externals look like that but when he started speaking his real consciousness came out how many times when we are in the association of devotees we think that the others are demons in devotee dress <laughs> and we think that we are the best and we judge them we put a label on them oh they are talking like this they are doing things like this so they are not devotees we judge them but do we know what consciousness they have internally they might be going back to godhead at the end of this lifetime and we'll be stuck here and we judge them so when we look around us we should be very careful not to judge others by the externals we should be very 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 guarded and careful about that because it's not going to impact them it's going to impact our spiritual progress now let's indra also has been thinking along the same line so far but when he has heard and when he has had this discussion with rasasura it's not a discussion basically it's a monologue rasasura has been giving him the full knowledge and vindra has been standing there and hearing it and now he say he speaks ho vritrasura demons are generally conducted by the mode of passion therefore what a great wonder it is that although you are a demon you have adopted the mentality of a devotee and have fixed your mind on the supreme personality of godhead who is always situated in pure goodness so his 
he he was also judging him to be a demon like many other demons he has encountered so far just by his appearance and his behavior but the moment he started speaking indra could recognize that this is not a normal person he is not a demon he is not even like on the level of me he is way up there and then vritrasura encourages him and then indra goes ahead and fulfills the task given by the supreme lord so he gets he got what he wanted and vritrasura got what he wanted when he was killed everybody could see a small spark of light just coming out of the body and making its way up to the spiritual world so that's why i thought like judging others this past time was a, a very good example and as practicing devotees it's it's a a principle that we have to always keep in mind not to judge others by the externals because deep inside they might be fully surrendered to the supreme lord we do not know that and we might affront them and basically hinder our own spiritual progress and the second principle that i wanted to highlight was that trust part how even though we might have been practicing for quite some time the process of devotional service yet at some point of time in our life depending on certain situations we might not have that trust and conviction in the supreme lord indra indra's example is clearly pointing to that he is a very elevated personality compared to us even in practicing devotional service so when an elevated personality like him can make a mistake like that where are we and then the third point vritrasura was talking about the glories of devotional service he was basically like saying i just want to be always engaged in the loving service of your lordship the moment we pick the chanting beads that's what what we are praying for right that's what our spiritual teachers have explained the meaning of the hari krishna mahamantra is o supreme lord krishna the internal pleasure potency radha rani please engage me in your service so the next question comes what service are we doing and our founder teacher shila prabhupada has instituted certain process to be followed in the temple and the one, the one thing that we do first thing that we do in the morning is do the welcoming of their lordships and we sing the eight verses as prayers it was written by one of our spiritual teachers vishwanath chakravarti thakur and one of the verses says श्री विग्रहारन निना श्रृंगार तन्मंदिर मर्जनादो सो श्री विग्रह श्री विग्रह इज द मर्सीफुल डेटी फॉर्म ऑफ द लॉर्ड सो वी वर्शिप द डेटी फॉर्म ऑफ द लॉर्ड एंड देन वी ऑल्सो डेकोरेट देअर लॉर्डशिप्स वेरी ब्यूटिफुली 
the spiritual master does it and the spiritual master engages the disciple to do it so it doesn't stop there right then it goes mandira marjana do mandir is temple marjana means cleansing so it basically says it doesn't stop with worshiping the lordships there on the altar but the service continues throughout in various other tasks in the temple so there are so many opportunities to serve when we step our foot into this spiritual world this temple is a spiritual world there are so many opportunities to render service are our eyes open to see those opportunities we have been begging and requesting for more service by the process of chanting the hare krishna maha mantra and this prayer we sing every day in the morning we are saying mandira marjana do we have to clean the temple if we see some trash or rubbish lying how many of us pick it up and put it into the trash he says somebody else will come and do it we just go about our business but this is krishna's temple this is krishna's home and we want to be servants of krishna we should keep our eyes open for various opportunities to render service to him and if you are inspired to serve you can see mother anand vrindavan and sign up for the sunday serve it's a plug for the sunday serve <laughs> so it's 145 i will stop here all glories to shila prabhupad all glories to shrimad bhagavatam so if there is any comments discussion or questions we have 15 minutes i want to thank you so much for this class um earlier this morning before i <clears throat> arrived to pick up my son i was really struggling with faith because uh just life is a little rough right now and the things that you were saying in class resonate with the instructions that i was giving to him um in terms of faith in krishna and the lord had uh, the person directly in front of me have a license plate that said kala on it that was like it's time to open up your eyes and pay attention to what messages are coming through later on today but also just feeling really grateful to be able to have the association of devotees each and every moment and never ever taking that for granted so like hearing you speak this class <laughs> at this moment in time just lets me know how connected we are in krishna service and how grateful it is we should be at all times to have the association of devotees and never let our false ego take control so just thank you so much thank for this you. class thank you hari krishna prabhu ji thank you for the class how do i discern between being judgmental and being on the guards what was the second part how do i discern between being judgmental and being on the guards on often, the guard on the guards because often or or out putting it a different way i feel my judgmentalism comes from fear in various aspects and one of the things that comes up is perhaps 
uh, I might have gone through things which I believe I shouldn't have been through. So there comes the aspect of guarding myself from being so-called exploited or having gone through difficult times. Uh, theoretically I accept it's my karma, but practically it's difficult to realize. So am I being judgmental or am I guarding myself? See, not being judgmental doesn't mean that we just embrace everybody to be on the same platform. We might look at each person and they say like, oh, these are the good qualities they have and these are some of the bad qualities they have. But we don't dwell on those bad qualities and we do not use those bad qualities and label them as bad persons. That's, that's what we have to be very careful about. Because when we are living and moving about in this world, we have to also be pragmatic and practical. We cannot just say, oh, everybody is a friend and I will enter into a, for an example, business partnership with a swindler. And say, look, oh, I did not want to be judgmental and then I just went ahead. That's foolishness on my part, if I do that. So, what I'm trying to say is, being judgmental is taking that next step and labeling a person as something based on their qualities. But we do not, that's only based on the externals. We do not know what their internal consciousness is. So, guarding myself, I can be very, I have to be very careful not to offend others like by labeling them like that and avoiding them because of that. Because ISKCON is an international society. We have people from all parts of the world, from different culture, different religion, different language. And just because they are from a particular part of the world or a particular language or a culture, we cannot just distance them out by labeling them based on that externals. That's one way of practical application of that principle. We have to start learning to look at each one of the people who are coming to the temple as devotees and part of this organization and movement. They are all children of Krishna. We are all children of Krishna. So when we use that principle in that manner, we are guarding ourselves from making offense against them and we are not judging them and labeling them to be belonging to this or belonging to that or just based on externals. Just learn to look at them as devotees and appreciate their devotion, right? So in that, when I am trying to practice myself like that, I am trying to guard myself from making offenses. At the same time, when I am dealing with people in the, the outer world, I'm careful. I'm not going to the other extreme now, saying like I will welcome everybody and treat everybody like, because there are people out there that are like really obnoxious. Just because Indra 
dealt with Vritrasura doesn't mean that he started dealing with all the other demoniac personalities in the same way, who oh, I will embrace, oh, these are my brothers. No, because he knew they were demoniac. So that's what he makes that statement, right? Demons are generally conducted by the mode of passion, but you are situated in a transcendental goodness. I recognize you as an elevated personality, but that doesn't mean that I will apply the same principle to all the demons. So he had that balance right. He did not go extreme this way or either. He did not go to that other extreme. So does it help? Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to make one comment and maybe you could expand upon it, but one of the stories that always resonated with me um, from my father when I was growing up was when he'd first met Srila Prabhupada and the lectures he would attend, there were many individuals who'd come who would be drunk or smoking or in some cases Srila Prabhupada would be giving class and there would be guys and girls hugging or kissing in front of him but he would continue giving the lecture and he would give them prasadam afterwards and I always thought of that as such a amazing example of how compassionate Srila Prabhupada was. And I think that's the, the flip side of the coin, right? So we can be judgmental or instead we can be compassionate and understand that within everyone's heart uh, resides Krishna. And if we don't recognize that, we, we may also miss the potential in individuals and none of us would be here if Srila Prabhupada didn't see potential in all of us. Yeah. And so I think it's important to also recognize that it's not just not being judgmental, it's also being compassionate. Yes, that's a good point. It's not about being judgmental, but extending our compassion. At the same time, we have to, have, have to keep in mind that Srila Prabhupada is a very special personality. He, ha he was way up there, and he could extend that kind of compassion without getting impacted by the other person who is in a very lower level of consciousness. So, as practicing devotees, we also have to find out where we stand. And if we do not know ourselves, we can talk to our senior devotees or senior spiritual authorities to say, can I do something like this even to a smaller extent or a smaller degree? So, based on that, we can go forward, but your point is valid. Compassion. Thank you. With your answer, I, I tend to disagree a little bit because Shiva Prabhupada actually taught us that we do not discriminate. We approach everyone, especially in the Sankirtan movement where we go out and we distribute the holy name, we distribute this transcendental yeah. literatures. We don't make a distinction. Someone may be a demon, but actually everyone's a devotee. You know, even the most demons, really ultimately everyone's a devotee. So that same compassion that Manaji was talking about is what Prabhupada tried to instill in all of his disciples in the entire movement. That we just don't sit idly and chant Hare Krishna or just come to temple just to worship, but really we should take it beyond that and spread it all over the world sure. out of compassion. Sure. And sure. in doing so, Prabhupada mentions that the devotees are even more compassionate than, than Krishna because you know they'll, they'll take the risk of approaching someone who is unfavorable, even at the offense of uh, maybe offending Krishna directly, but because the devotees want to save sure. and rescue that person, they'll take those kind of risks. True. 
but I would add a qualification to that statement you made just now in the sense the context is reaching out to people who do not even have knowledge about this and being compassionate in giving that. But the, the perspective I was coming from is we cannot just deeply associate and say, oh, I'm trying to give my association and elevate this personality when I, am, I myself am not on that platform to give that. But we don't give our association. We give True. the uh, Acharya's association. I, I go out True. and I may be a wretch, but I'm presenting Shiva Prabhupada. True. I'm not That's presenting right. me. So when we have that proper conception and we are grounded properly like that, then we are safe. But Typically, we find people become so enthusiastic and they just want to rush out and do something which is going to be impactful to them and others. So that's the point. That's, that's the perspective I was coming from. Thank you. Hi, Krishna Prabhu. Hi, Krishna. Um, I was thinking just from the discussion, it seems as well that um, judgment um, comes from ego. Like if we are responding to a situation based on our on our ego or our own personal selfish motivation, then we criticize and we make those judgments. So it seemed more that, that um, if we don't respond based on judgment, but we use, like Prabhu said about um, guarding yourself, it's not you're responding out of judgment, um, but at the same time, if you're not responding out of your ego or self selfishness, like just what's in it for me, mm -hmm. then there is a sense of compassion, always thinking, how can I be of service? Like. Kunti said, um, and I, I just think, you know, really, what are we responding from? It's, it can really come from a, we criticize because of our false ego or because of True. our own motivations. True. True. Um, that's why what my spiritual teacher used to make a, like a principle or a formula. We get the results of our past piety, and when it comes into contact with a consciousness that's not pure yet, it results in pride. Right? We get puffed up. Oh, I deserve this. I got that. Indra was in that platform. Initially when we started out hearing about him. But that doesn't mean that we can judge him as a bad guy. But when we continue to read, we see how he is able to deal with various situations and various people and he is able to bring in his judgment in the right manner. And he was ready to shift his judgment of Vritrasura to a proper understanding of where Vritrasura is at. Many times in our life, are we ready to take that next step to changing our conception of another person? We just label them and we just avoid them. We don't want to deal with them. But internally the person might, not, might be doing something really wonderful. Right? So that's one of the pitfalls of judging just based on externals. Thank, but thank you for making that point. Thank you, Raghunandan. Thank you.